It's such an honour, Danny, um, to be a part of this amazing podcast you're doing here. And it's just really cool to be talking about this book. You know my work and you've given it a lot of thought and um, I don't normally get such good questions, to be honest. <laughs> Your podcast is the one that I listen to when I want to listen to an interviewer who has actually read the books she's asking questions about <laughs> and asks really interesting, insightful questions about it. And I think that's really special. Thank you for your wonderful questions. It was a good chat. Great chat. You're a good interviewer. So enjoy listening to the podcast. That's brilliant what you do. Honestly, I'm so in awe and we need more word nerds like yourself, people that are passionate about books. Welcome and thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. I'm your host, Danny V. Today, Kidlit co-host and children's author Adrian Beck and I speak to the real pigeons in what is episode 199. Andrew McDonald is the author of the Real Pigeons series. He loves writing stories that make kids laugh, gasp, think and wonder. He lives in Melbourne and enjoys baking his own bread. Ben Wood is the illustrator of the Real Pigeons series and has always been drawn to books with humour and heart. He loves drawing, eating food and drawing, eating food. No wonder we all get along very well. We talk about real collaboration, the book becoming a Nickelodeon animation, the beauty of pigeons and the weirdest things we've ever eaten. I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Words and Nerds podcast, Andrew McDonald and Ben Wood. Yay! Hello. Thanks for having us. And hello also to children's author, guest co-host, part of the furniture, Adrienne Beck in the co-hosting chair again. Yay! Hooray! <laughs> now, guys, we're here for real pigeons. Love real pigeons. So great. My book is uh, actually destroyed because my eight-year-old sort of oh, wow. takes it around the house. So that's the sign of a good book, I reckon. So give us an elevator pitch for the Pigeon series. Tell us about it for those very few people who haven't yet picked it up. Well, it's about a gang of crime-fighting pigeons. Uh, and uh, it makes sense when you think about it that pigeons would be uh, secretly protecting all of us, um, fighting crime, keeping the world safe. It was uh, something that I started writing about a few years ago um, when I was thinking about pigeons and how they're absolutely everywhere. Um, and wouldn't they be the ultimate surveillance network, better than CCTV, if only they could talk to each other and share information. And the idea, I had that idea for a little while, and I always think that um, good, good ideas or good stories come about when like a few different ideas kind of clash and come together. Um, and so I had crime-fighting pigeons in my head and then I discovered that there were these, um, all these kinds of fancy pigeon. So there are frillback pigeons as well as rock pigeons as well as tumbler pigeons and fantail pigeons and barbed pigeons, all with amazing hairdos. And as soon as you see these birds, you, just, like, you can just see character oozing out of all of them. And so I put those two things together, crime-fighting pigeons and these amazing characters. Um, and um, Ben was on board soon after that to... to draw all of these uh, amazing, ridiculous adventures that the real pigeons go on when they fight crime. Yeah, and um, I think it's just such a, um, a really fun premise. I mean, they're everywhere. No one pays attention to pigeons. So why wouldn't they be spies? Why wouldn't they be crime fighters? You know, why wouldn't they be protecting us? Um, it all makes so much sense now. Yeah, it does. <laughs> 
Andrew was talking about all the types of pigeons that exist. I had no idea. Now, Ben, you had to draw them. Did you know about these or did you have to have to go out and scope them out? Um, yeah, well, I hadn't really thought about pigeons too much. I hadn't really drawn them very much before. I mean, I've illustrated a lot of uh, picture books and chapter books before, but no, um, none had pigeons in it. So it was a really a learning curve. I obviously had to do research and... Um, since starting the series, I've really become a bit of um, a bird watcher. I do watch pigeons all the time now. Anytime I see them, I'm watching what they do. And sometimes they might surprise me with what their movements are and I'll take a note of it. But, yeah, I really had to learn all the different types and um, try and figure out how I could translate that into um, recognisable characters for the story. Not everyone loves pigeons i don't want to be the one to break it to you guys but not everyone loves them i look i love them and what's not to love as far as i'm concerned they're beautiful but not everyone does no. did you guys have to learn to love the pigeons or were you born with like a natural pigeon uh, fascination no well i was attacked by one at the street station really um yeah and it was when i was still living in melbourne so um you know it i was on my way somewhere and it just flew up into my face. So I've had that wonderful experience with a pigeon. <laughs> did you swipe it away? How did you get rid of it? Um, yeah, I did, obviously, just uh, <laughs> flailing my arms around. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I did not enjoy being that close. Uh, I mean, it was fine. I think it would be fine if it wasn't in my face. Mm. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, I mean, Andrew's got some experience now with um, having pigeons all over him. That's true. I did a <laughs> photo shoot. Of course um, he does. Yeah. We had some real pigeons news to announce. Uh, I did a photo shoot for The Age and we met at the State Library and there were, because the photographer thought, great, we'll just like scoop up some pigeons and throw them at Andrew and take a photograph. <laughs> It'll be wonderful. Uh, but we, the photographer really wanted me to be kind of covered in pigeons. Mm. Uh, and luckily there were some um, pigeon, like friends of the pigeons, just some people sitting on the lawn of the State Library who um, <laughs> at that moment happened to be covered in pigeons themselves. Right. So we made friends with those people and they taught me the secrets to um, covering yourself <laughs> with pigeons, which is basically just to like hold onto bread really tightly and, and hold your arms out horizontally like a scarecrow. <laughs> Hot tip. They're really soft. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Cuddly. Cuddly and soft. So yeah. these friends of the pigeons, were they like, a, is that an official group that we can all join if we want to, if we want to get involved in, in some pigeon love? Look, they did seem to know exactly what they were talking about and they right. seemed very keen to share the information with me, as in not everybody <laughs> asks for tips, but they would like I'm it if more people did. So what about you, Andrew? Were you a pigeon lover? And I, I obviously you saw them hanging around and you were inspired to come up with the idea, but did you actually have a, a, a love for these lovely little fellas? Or did you, uh, did you like some of us, think they were a little bit, uh, a little bit dirty, <laughs> a little bit annoying? <laughs> or did you love them from the word go? I, um, I love all, all birds, Adrian. Oh. I'm an evil bird lover. Right. Um, the, I, the, the crested pigeon is the pigeon that's endemic to Australia. So that might be like, that might be my, like my gateway pigeon into the world of pigeons because you see them wandering around. They've got like the little mohawk and they're really cool. Um, so th that's a pigeon that I've admired for a long time. But sure. no, it's not like I've been keeping pigeons in coops and secretly raising them all my life. And finally, Ooh. I'm telling the story that I've been dying to tell all my life. Would you consider racing pigeons, either of you? Because this could be the next step for the Real Pigeons franchise. A good way for us to um, communicate 
that's not on Zoom. <laughs> Marketing idea. Yeah. Send me your answers and I can send you a question. Yeah. <laughs> it will take a year, but it'd be cool. Yeah. Can I just ask one more question about this pigeon covering that I think we'll have to move on? How much pigeon poo did you have on you afterwards? That's a good question. <laughs> and how much did you have on beforehand? I did clean and shower before the photo shoot. Um, uh, there was no poo on me, and I think that was because they were eating and they, they're smart. Pigeons are smarter than we give them credit for. Um, they're, they're kind of like one of the few animals that's like managed to kind of live everywhere that humans have kind of like, you know, destroyed the planet and built their big concrete cities. So, no, I think they were not pooing because they were eating and they know to keep those two things separate. It's mm, smart. Well, we yeah, can all learn a thing right. from pigeons. They're just attacking, <laughs> attacking people's faces now. So they're, they're evolving. Yeah. Yeah. to be reckoned with. But tell us about your collaboration. I mean, besides the writing and the illustration, when it comes to the development of ideas and characters, do you have clearly defined roles in the creative process or do they blur? Um, they do blur. And that's been something that um, developed pretty quickly when we started um, Real Pigeons Fight Crime, um, we, we were just talking all the time. We were both so excited about it. And we both had, we both came to this um, series with a lot of ideas of what we wanted to bring to it. So, um, yeah, it's, we talk every day um, about these characters and the stories. And, um, yeah, and a lot gets left behind, but, um, what gets put in is always fun. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's a, it's a big juggling act, isn't it, Andrew? I, um, I often think about that Stephen King quote about how he talks about um, writing the first draft of a story with the door shut and then future yeah. drafts with the door open. And I think we both kind of work a little bit like that, Ben, yeah. um, in that I'll, I'll write a draft uh, and I'll try to um, put everything that I've got into that draft of a, of a story. Um, and then the doors are open and um, Ben's giving me feedback and the publishers are working with me and there's editing going on um, and, and lots of iteration. Um, so, and, and the same thing happens with Ben. He'll, he'll yeah. go away when he's illustrating and... Um, uh, and, and do a similar thing, but we're both feeding into the um, the creative process um, around the writing as well as the illustrating, um, and it it means a lot of work. It means that there's a lot of back and forth, a lot of conversation. Um, if there's a, but it's also great. Like it's if you have a, an open environment like that. Like my my kind of philosophy is if um, if I write a joke and then we are uh, you know sitting around looking at a book reviewing the manuscript and someone comes up with a better idea for you know that joke or for that yeah. line, then we're just going to put it in. We're not. I'm not going to be precious about. Um, my joke being on the page like if Ben has a better joke or if the editor who's in the room has the better joke that's what goes in the book um, yeah. and I think that the books have been really served well by that philosophy mm. how often does Ben have a better joke <laughs> all the time, all the time. <laughs> it's, it's not even like I'm meeting them I'm just chatting and <laughs> just naturally funny mate <laughs> <laughs> and, it's just, um, and sometimes I miss them but I've even said them and <laughs> So do you find yourself talking to Andrew uh, during this collaboration process and then all of a sudden something you've said, which you have forgotten, gets put straight into the book? Does that ever happen? doesn't sound like it. <laughs> well, it's not. Well, it's, it works the other way too. So yeah. um, it's just because we're both talking about both forms of storytelling all the time. Um, 
it, it kind of gets a bit blurry. So um, because there's so much back and forth, I can't be like, that's, that's mine. That's Andrew's. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And that's real collaboration, isn't it? Cause I speak to a lot of illustrators and authors and sometimes they don't even meet each other. They speak, mm. speak through the publisher, but this is a real, you know, authentic collaboration with you two. Yeah, I think it's um, I think it's it's always been really organic. So Ben and I didn't know each other at all before Real Pigeons, the publishers at Heidi Grant um, Egmont, or formerly Heidi Grant Egmont, now Heidi Grant Children's Publishing, um, put us together. Thought would be a good match, and it was just um, kind of comedic harmony from from the beginning. Like we both have a very similar sense of humour. Um, very both very keen to like lean into the silliness and the ridiculousness. If I write a storyline where Rock Pigeon goes and hides in some underwear on a washing line to spy on someone, then Ben puts up his hand and says, and those underpants should have love hearts on them. So <laughs> um, it all works really nicely from the um, from the outset. And and that that um, collaboration has um, has grown and developed um, to, to the point that we are, that we were texting before this call about, you know, a character design and a <laughs> from book seven, which is um, yeah. not until next year, but I've just finished writing and Ben's just starting to do um, some, I guess, early illustrations for. Yeah, concept work now, yeah. And it's had such an amazing success. I mean, Real Pigeon's being developed into an animation series for Nickelodeon. How does this feel? Yeah, it's it's a really we're, we're we're sort of used to it now that that it's it was this deal was going for a while. We were we were so relieved when it finally became public, <laughs> just so we could share it with everybody. Um, but I think it's just the the excitement to see what they're actually going to how they're going to open up the world that we've um, created. I mean, the world that we've created, the series that um, is just so in depth. There's so much in there. Um, and it's just going to be really interesting to see how much they open it up even more. Mm. Um, so that's what I'm really excited about. I think um, just how they're going to navigate moving it from the pages to, you know, a moving world. It's going to be really interesting. Yeah, a Nickelodeon adaptation of a book that you've um, that you've created is not the kind of thing that you dream of as a kid wanting to be an author, or even yeah. when you're an author trying to get um, published or trying to get a book up and running. It's um, the the end goal for me anyway is always just like write write something that that kids like that help kids on their reading journey. Like that would be that's the ultimate goal really as a, as a writer. Um, so the Nickelodeon adaptation was kind of like mind blowing and and really unexpected and. And I, I still think the whole thing is kind of wild. And, you know, when James Corden's name was announced as being um, part of the, um, that he's part of the development team, um, it was very, very, very strange. And obviously a lot of carpool karaoke jokes, which um, was a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the, the whole thing is just wild and strange. Um, yeah. I hope they do a really good job with the show. Um, but for them, like, you know, until, until, anything gets made um, yeah. and, you know, is amazing. Um, I'm pretty happy with just uh, making books and, and kids enjoying the books. I'm lucky to be in that position as well. Yeah. How, uh, how much do you get to be involved in the process? Do they, they take the books and then they, they run with it or do you guys get to be uh, hands-on or give you feedback or, Ben, have you put your hand up to do all the voices or how does that work? <laughs> um, well, we're going to be um, consultants yep. for development and production um it's still very early days and and due to everything that's going on um you know it's it could be moving slowly or it could be moving fast it's um but at the moment it's just um just waiting and 
um, we're just focusing on um, the books. We're, you know, focusing on where the story's going, um, how much we can put in that will excite kids uh, and all our reader, all the readers. It's amazing. I want to know bird puns and bread puns. Have you exhausted all the bird <laughs> and the bread puns or have you still got more in you? <laughs> There's always more. There's always <laughs> more. We, the, um, the, the book that's out in um, very soon in uh, late October is uh, book six, which is called Real Pigeons Get Bready. Mm. Uh, and that's, that's the strongest bread pun that we've done so far, Ben. I can't think <laughs> of a pun much breadier than that. Um, so, you know, there's, uh, no, we, we've, we've signed up to do more books beyond that. Uh, and uh, we wouldn't have done that if we thought we'd run out of bird puns and uh, <laughs> bread puns and, and just storylines involving, involving pigeons as well. I kind of at the outset thought, you know, there's maybe like one or two books material here, but um, pigeons have turned out to be a lot more, um, uh, yeah, it's just a, a fruitful uh, subject matter, more so than I ever really thought about. <laughs> it was it was it took until um the book that you've got there, Danny, book five, Real Pigeons Peck Punches, for us to even do a storyline around how pigeons are perceived to be really dirty all the time. Yeah. Really? You might actually feel about being dirty all the time. Mm. Which I think is um is wild that it took that long to even do that yeah. story. And look, I barely had to read it because I got the eight year old narrative constantly in my <laughs> So then I, you know, felt like I was reading it for a second time when I picked it up for the first time. And when you were reading, did you do voices for the different characters? Terribly, but always. Don't ask me to do them now, please. (laughs) Not on board. (laughs) But I did like how on uh, social media, everyone got on board with those puns. They were commenting, adding puns of their own. Adrian, Adrian's always lurking with a, a bird pun or like any kind of pun in general. Adrian, um, do you have a pun that you wanted to throw in? Is that why you asked about puns? <laughs> no, look, I love I loved the puns. The puns are my favourite part. I think uh, I replied with a very, very clever uh, born born bready, uh, which uh, I think would have gone over enormously well amongst anyone who read that. Um, but uh, <laughs> I also, the other night we were doing some quiche some quiche jokes too, uh, Andrew, on um, social on media. Beach on, yeah. on the beach. Is that what you said? On I, want, I want Andrew to, because Andrew's a, quite a cook, okay, in, oh, in yeah. ISO. He's been cooking up a storm. Every, every second social media post is some amazing new dish that he's got together. And uh, I, I feel sometimes I, feel, I can actually smell how delicious it is through the screen. It looks so good. Um, quiche, Adrian. I love a quiche. <laughs> Whoever Lorraine was, thank you, Lorraine. <laughs> You've changed my life. Um, and anyway, I, I, I've always uh, had, a, had a dream. I've, had, I've got many dreams, some of them odd. But this one, it, perhaps is odd as well. Um, I wanted to start a restaurant called Quiche on the Beach. Andrew, Andrew could be the, the head chef. Are you up for it? Adrian and I have made one quiche uh, last weekend and I would be happy to make at least one more. Isn't it just egg and cheese or something? Egg and cheese and a bit of self-raising flour? A meal. Uh, Adrian, it was a wholemeal crust and on that wholemeal <laughs> crust there was a mix, spinach and silver beet mixture <laughs> cooked with onion, garlic, that's right there. And, and then we have the vegetables, the mushrooms, <laughs> the spinach. On top of that, uh, a couple of eggs, a couple of egg yolks all mixed together, cheeses uh, and then baked in the oven. This is why I don't really want to make a whole lot of quiches. <laughs> Listen to the man, though. You can see the love that he puts into this, this cooking yeah. that he's got up to during ISO. I think it's fantastic. When you say a couple of eggs, Andrew, a quiche takes like 20 eggs, right? You just keep cracking them in. There's so many. It was only four eggs and, and really oh. two, two full eggs and two egg yolks on what top of that. What are making? 
<laughs> You're a real eggy sort of quiche. <laughs> You've over-egged the quiche there, Danny. <laughs> hey, um, here's a controversial one for you. Can you eat um, pigeon eggs? Oh, no. If you can eat pigeon eggs. You can't. It's not material that we've covered in the books yet. No. <laughs> there was going to be pigeon pie. Oh, was there? Like four and 20 blackbirds. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, was in, I was in Real Pigeons Eat Danger. Um, people used to eat pigeons, of course. There are so many pigeons around now is because they were bred so incessantly in like uh, Victorian London, I think. And mm. Roast pigeon. Eating, mm. eating roast pigeon, yeah, it was like, yeah. you know, that's, that, that was the kind of like daily or weekly intake of protein. I wonder what it would be like. If anyone could make it taste delicious, Andrew, would be you. If you opened a roast pigeon store, I'd be there. Yeah, I think I'd throw it in like a, you know, a plastic bag <laughs> with some buttermilk. I'd shake it up. I'd leave it in the fridge for an hour. An hour. <laughs> couple yeah. hours and go from there. <laughs> I think you'd actually eat one, Ben. No. <laughs> Andrew, what's the weirdest thing you've eaten? The weirdest thing, well, this is um, a bit of a cliche, but I guess eating, um, eating cockroaches, they're actually things that are full of protein and super sustainable that we sh- should be eating mm. all the time. Mm. Um, I saw it's really got to you, Andrew. <laughs> this grasshopper quiche is very delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Crunch. <laughs> Ben, what's the weirdest thing you've eaten? Well, I would say crickets, but... Mm. Um, You're really into insects here, aren't we? Well, in Mexico, um, everyone eats... You dip them in chocolate or something? Oh, right. Because um, Andrew's just eating them from his backyard. <laughs> Adrian, weirdest thing you've eaten? I have eaten uh, snail. Um, you know, what do they call it? Escargot? Is that what they call it? Uh, very the- French, Adrian. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I love I love all things French. I'm a bit of a francophile, um, and so the first thing I thought I would do to uh, to pledge my love for all things French is to taste the the snail. And actually, it wasn't too bad. I'd never no, have it again. No. Has anyone else had had an escargot? Delicious. Yeah. I was in Arizona and I ate rattlesnake. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. The rattle. What was it like? Just the body bit. Um, it tastes like really bad calamari. So, again, we can do it again. Wow. <laughs> Pigeon, rattlesnake, cricket, cockroach, snake yeah. <laughs> Delicious. Yeah. I think we've had all of those characters in the books, mostly. <laughs> Maybe not the rattlesnake. Yeah. <laughs> There's a rattlesnake in book 20. I'll know where it came from. <laughs> <laughs> what can we expect from the new book? Get bready. Pigeons, real pigeons, get bready. Well, I've always been fascinated by people who hate birds. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that the, the Hitchcock film might have a lot to do with that kind of that phobia that pops up in the um, people here and there. Um, so we have a big storyline in book six, uh, because at the end of book five, of course, the cliffhanger is that birds have been banned in the city by the mayor, who, who's unfortunately named Bertie Bird Bird. Um, <laughs> and bad uh, luck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just irony, <laughs> and Birdie Bird Bird has banned all birds, and so the pigeons need to, you know, keep um, everyone safe and keep solving mysteries, but um, under the cover of darkness and with um, even more disguises than before because ba- birds are banned. Uh, and uh, yeah, things get yeah. things get interesting. It was fun to do Ben. It was fun to do all the villains in this book. Yeah, there's. I mean, it's always fun to do the villains. Um, but the story that I was most excited about was um, there was a mystery that's set all in um, a locked apartment. So the, the pigeons are in lockdown um, and it's just how they cope with being locked inside um, and having to solve a mystery together. So and when, when I was working on it, I was in quarantine. I just arrived back in Australia and I was um, 
in quarantine and looking, looking, looking through it. And I was just like, oh God, here I am locked in my house and mm-hmm. I have to actually show that back <laughs> in the illustrations. And it was a really strange experience um, having what we're all going through um, shown through the, the pigeons. And Andrew had actually written this story back um, in November. So it was yeah. before this had all begun. So it was a very strange thing that occurred. Yeah. Now, if anyone's going to start baking bread in ISO, it's pigeons, <laughs> right? Surely. Probably what's next for the pigeons? You know, how do they, how do they um, feed themselves a constant diet of bread? I think it, they need to become self-sufficient somehow. Yeah. You can make their own sourdough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> now, Andrew, here's a question for you. Why do you write? Uh, mostly to amuse myself, probably. <laughs> I mean, writing is one of the nice things now is that I'm um, writing a Real Pigeons book knowing that Ben will read it and that, um, that fans of Real Pigeons will um, potentially pick up and read it as well, which is a really lovely feeling to kind of to write towards um, future readers, knowing, knowing that they might even be there. Um, but for the most part, and this was certainly the case when I started writing Real Pigeons, I was just writing what amused me. Um, I written a couple of middle grade novels before um, I did Pigeons, uh, which was um, kind of like me on my, um, on my training wheels as a writer. And by the time I was doing Pigeons, I was like, I'm just going to do what makes me laugh and what would have made me laugh when I was a kid. And I, if I, I'm going to lean into the silliness as well. Being, being silly is a legitimate um, form of creative expression. And I just went with it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> there should be more silliness in more books. Um, adults should be uh, less afraid to be silly. Kids are great to write for because they, because they um, aren't scared by silliness and can kind of do silliness and, um, and heartfelt emotions uh, in kind of the same breath. Um, or on the same page of a book that, that doesn't bother them having the, those two things together. Um, I enjoy writing like that. And um, it's, um, it's a thrill that kids kind of like see those elements in real pigeons and, um, and like that. Hmm. And that's but, something that we really try to pay attention to is making sure that um, they're really funny and entertaining, but there's also um, the heart there and hmm. that, um, you know, they're, they're relatable and, and that kids can, Find find a pigeon in the in the squad that is their pigeon. Um, yeah, uh, for me, illustrating the series is um, I, I do. I'm similar to Andrew, whereas I, I want to do things that I'll enjoy, but it's also I want to make sure it's um, as as real, uh, make the world as real as it can for for readers. Um, I think that's a real special thing that I can bring to it. Um, yeah. And, um, and, and also just make sure it's really enjoyable. And for, for anyone that hasn't seen Ben's illustrations, he does an amazing job of characters and very funny looking pigeons, but the, um, the world that he's talking about is really cinematic. Like we're not just kind of looking at this world kind of like from a 2d um, old school video game point of view, like we're looking up at the pigeons from below and looking down as they swoop in and out of um, towers among the city. It's, it's really a, um, Ben does beautiful work on the real pigeons as well as hilarious work. Yeah. It actually looks like a, it already looks like an animated movie, I reckon, when you're looking at yeah. it. I hope that comes across as a compliment, Ben. But no, yeah. Um, yeah, that's what I was, I was really trying to make sure um, it felt like a, a real livable place. But even when I was designing um, all the characters and, and just how it would look, I just, um, I always knew that I was going to be drawing these characters a lot. So I had to make sure they were really, um, that I could animate them really, really well. Um, 
and I just really paid attention to um, how I drew a wing or how I drew um, a vulture because I would have to draw it again and again <laughs> and um, I had to make sure I could act it and I've always been really, um, I pay really close attention to making sure characters can act um, and I feel like, um, you know, it's what, how lucky am I that I get to act out these amazing characters um, 200 pages every book, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think that you can see on the page um, just how, how it's a real 50-50 partnership, um, not just between me and Ben, but between the words and the illustrations as well. I think one of the reasons, Ben, um, that, that it takes us so long to kind of put one of these books together and go back and forth about the, the words and the illustrations so much is that um, it's really important that the words and the illustrations are integrated um, on, on every page of the book. And, and sometimes that means that you're silly, simply kind of like illustrating the scene that's, um, that's there. But sometimes you're relying on the illustrations to do like the punchline of a joke or to kind of um, plant a clue. And sometimes you, um, it's um, vice versa and you're um, leaning on the words to do something because the illustrations are busy doing, doing something else. Mm. And that, that focus on, um, on integrating the words and the illustrations, I think, I think that's been part of the, the key to um, helping really young readers um, read these books. So we've, we, we keep hearing stories about um, kids who are not even reading um, by themselves, or like kids who aren't even in primary school yet, reading these books with their parents um, and it kind of being a, a bit of a gateway into longer books. Um, and I would like to think that part of the, um, part of the uh, integration of words and illustration has helped um, help kids kind of do that um, with their parents. But that integration is, is, is the key. Like, um, I think I've told you to, and you probably get, get embarrassed when I tell you this, but when I first picked up the first pigeons, I sent it straight off to, to my publisher and I said, have you seen this? This is brilliant, the way that the words and the, and the illustrations are set out. The layout is just, it's, it's actually perfect. It's brilliant the way it works together. It's almost like it's coming from one person's brain. So I wonder if it's, is it, do you put it down to the fact that you collaborate so well as to as to why it comes out so perfectly integrated or what do you put that down to? Cause that, that was, that was spot on from the first book. It was really organic. Um, it also comes down to a lot of work, like it's mm. a lot of, a lot of work. <laughs> and, um, and I mean, yeah, we really do work well together. Um, and I think, I think um, also having a, a, a amazing publisher who, um, supports the series and they um, they they get it you know they um, we all get it we all get the world we all get what we're doing yeah. um, and there's a lot of communication um, that has to happen to make it look like it's from one person yeah yeah and I remember we did we probably did a lot of um, heavy lifting early on, especially when we were designing um, how book one would look. Ben, I remember doing lots yeah. of whiteboard sessions with you where we'd try to set things out and and play with them, and and then I'd say, oh, I, I can kind of see the page layout for this um, scene working better like this, and then I'd yeah. scribble it out, and and you'd look at it and say, oh, oh, I see what you mean, and then you'd kind of re-scribble it, um, and. So I think, I think that if you were the kind of author that just was not open to um, having um, kind of critical feedback or constructive feedback come your way or, or an illustrator who, you know, um, got kind of the defences up as soon as someone had something constructive to say about your work and how it might be improved, then it wouldn't be possible. Um, I think at the end of the day, we, we are just lucky that it was organic because we have um, a similar sense of humour mm. and we, um, we're both kind of really uh, have a 
we're both kind of open to working openly, um, yeah. creatively open, and and also having um, great support of the publishers as well. There's a, a couple of people, uh, Penny White and Marisa Pintado, who are there and um, involved creatively when we're first working the stories out and um, drafting drafting the words and kind of planning what the um, the illustrations for each page will be. And, and they're really instrumental in making that happen, um, making it all happen and come together as well. It's Love Your Bookshop Day on the 3rd of October. Hooray! Yeah! Um, this is my favourite day of the entire year. And uh, I'm currently in Melbourne uh, in, in kind of hard lockdown. And I would have not survived this year if it wasn't for um, my local booksellers, like, like the little book room and pictures and pages in Coburg and Neighbourhood Books and Brunswick Bound, who have all been delivering books um, really, really efficiently and quickly. <laughs> uh, and readings, of course, um, and uh, they've been um, they've been amazing for kind of me as a reader. Um, and Ben, I know you've been getting lots of books on your doorstep as well. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, well, I just wanted to do a big shout out to all the booksellers and thank them for all the amazing work they've been doing this year. I know it's been a really hard year. Um, but the pandemic has kind of made us all look at the world a little bit differently and I guess it's made me think a little bit more about the, uh, the publishing ecosystem and the fact that booksellers have been able and willing to kind of like do the, the really hard work of click and collect and delivering books and kind of going the extra mile or 100 miles every day um, has meant that, you know, that Ben and I can keep making Real Pigeons books because we know there's an ecosystem there ready to ready to um, kind of take the books and connect them with families who are pre-ordering them. And, you know, designers are still in work and print books are still getting printed. Like everything is still happening at a, you know, not, you know in, at, at different rates in different places. Um, but the, the booksellers are just heroes for, um, for doing such hard work and keeping everyone going this year. And, of course, you should love your bookshop every day. It's a little bit like when you're um, when you're a kid and you complain because there's a Father's Day and a Mother's Day, but there's no Kids Day. Yeah, love your bookshop is a little bit like that because like every day is bookshop customer day, and on this one day we all go, you know what, bookshop, thank you, thank you, bookshop. (laughs) On my birthday in June, uh, Squishy Mini actually sent a huge box of books to my house for my birthday, and. It was just like, it felt like Christmas. Mm. That's great. Um, better than book deliveries. I, I yeah. work at home at the moment and I, I watch the delivery guy and I think, God, what have I ordered now? <laughs> Being the postie, we're good mates now. But uh, yeah, whenever you get a big book delivery, it's a very exciting moment. So, hey guys, thank you so much. Oh, thank you for talking about Real Pigeons. It's been so much fun and we went on some tangents, which, you know, is always the case, particularly when Adrian's on board. Not at all, No. <laughs> that (laughs) thank you so much for insights on writing for kids why pigeons are actually awesome and not dirty at all as (laughs) they have suggested a little dirty just a little (laughs) (laughs) and congratulations on the book success i mean it's a fantastic series so we can't wait to see it animated so thank you for your time today Thanks so much for having us. It was so great. Thank you. Thanks, Danny. Thanks, Adrian. <laughs> yeah, congratulations, guys. It is great to see um, two top blokes putting together such a brilliant concept, executing the concept, and then having the success that you guys have had. So congratulations. Well done. I love seeing it, and I can't wait till it turns into a TV show that I can just binge watch all weekend on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you didn't say it just to get some quiche, but thank you all. <laughs> all I'm saying is quiche wouldn't hurt. <laughs> 
say anything for quiche, so. Anything for quiche. <laughs> quiche on the beach. <laughs> Please.